Good, good morning. You know, let me say thank you, not only to the worship team, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to our staff, our volunteers, uh, to come out and, and be able to have church on not only just Sunday, but Christmas Sunday. You know, everybody could come up with a reason why they may not want to be here or couldn't be here today. You need to come up with an excuse, but wow, there's no better day to be, be in church than the day we celebrate Jesus' birthday. What a great day. So thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out today. Kristen had somebody text them to her today and say, uh, they're watching. So you know who you are when I say this. <laughs> they said, my spouse tested positive with COVID last night. I said, well, people will come up with any excuse to not come to church. Like, people will actually go get COVID and not come to church. I just couldn't believe it. You know who you are. Uh, we pray healing, healing in Jesus' name over you. Just kidding. Did you guys know you just sung a lie a few minutes ago? Ooh. We just sung about... In that last, uh, I call it the Shrek, it's not the Shrek song. Like, oh, it, why does it remind me of Shrek? Was it in Shrek? Oh, I feel like when my kids were little, I was watching Shrek and listening to that song. Oh, different version, okay. Same melody or tune or whatever. It talks about the wise men three. There were not three wise, well, we don't know. There were three gifts there was probably a whole, whole entourage of wise men, so there's probably a whole bunch of them. There's nothing biblically that proves or says there was ever three wise men. So, just, uh, But we sing that, you know, the song in the 1800s, We Three Kings of Orient Are, that's kind of where that all started. So, Just, uh, just be aware, it's, you, didn't, like, you didn't commit sin, you didn't, you know, it's, it's okay. Uh, I just sang We Three Wise Men, or We Wise Men We, instead of We Wise Men Three, so kind of changed the words a little bit. Hey, good to be here today. Um, I actually changed my message up this week. Uh, Phil stole my text last Sunday. So, um, and I had a different message. I really had a message on, on, uh, on Bethlehem, but I, I really just felt this week, well, why would I preach on Bethlehem when I should be telling you about Jesus? Because although he was born in Bethlehem, it's, it's really all about him. So uh, we're going to read from the Christmas uh, story today. In Matthew chapter 1, uh, how many kids are here this morning? Any kids? Raise your hand. Kids. All right. All right. Other than Nate, I know Nate put his hand up. He's a kid at heart. Oh, I see a, little, a couple little kids here. So my, you will be happy to know my wife said, are you making it short today for the kids? And I said, I would. So, so here's a message. It's really, it's about Jesus. This is going to be a very easy message to understand and just three points, and it'll be very easy. And they're, they're, the, the word Emmanuel, which is the title of our message, you'll see this word in Matthew chapter 1 means God with us. But the three points I want to bring from this text are this, God as us, God for us, and God with us. God as us, God for us, and God with us. So if you're little here today, every little, little child can remember that. That, that God became just like we are, God as us. God for us, that he came for a purpose that was just for us. 
and that God with us, that, that he's always with us, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means too. So, I am going to try something different. I kind of had this, you know how you like have like visions of how things probably should look or could look, and then when you get in the moment, you're like, I don't know if this is going to work or not. So I had this vision, uh, or not a vision, but just kind of like imagine me sitting in my living room on Christmas morning, just kind of having a discussion about Jesus. You know, kind of reading the Christmas story, so you'll, uh, you'll appreciate my, my socks today. Little out of character for me, uh, but you know it's a, just kind of a fun day, right? We're celebrating. Don't make fun of me now. I got my loafers on. So welcome to the living room. This is family, right? Anybody? Do you not? Do you know everybody sitting around you? All right, kind of. Well, how are you? Say hi to somebody. Say Merry Christmas. Welcome to church. Shake somebody's hand. So when I first told Kristen this is what I wanted to do, was sit here, she banned me from a chair. So the chair, I just negotiated this chair this morning. Uh, Up until about 8.30 this morning, I was going to have to sit on a stool. And the reason is, Kristen says, every time you sit in a chair... I'm a sl- I'm, I'm, I have terrible posture. Like, I'm a sloucher. Like, so if, if, will you guys help me out? If I start to do this, will you say sit up, sit up straight? You know, you're, you're going to end up with curvature of the spine or something. So, so will you guys help me out today? All right. So this will be a little different message. We're not going to be, it's not like, you know, Probably not going to be jumping up and saying amen. And, well, you might, but if you want to do that, that's okay. But a little more low-key today. Uh, so we're going to read the Christmas story, just talk about just a little a few verses, just kind of about those three points. And then I really thought that we could uh, close the service today with communion and just celebrate Jesus and, and remember Jesus and, and what he did. That He, uh, he came to earth to, to be a man, but obviously, as we, we just sang, that, that for the purpose of, of dying, that that he was born that, uh, with a death sentence, and he did that for us. So we're going to remember his death. We'll take communion. I really felt like we should also, uh, we have a lot of people that are sick, so just want to make sure we pray for the sick uh, today. Uh, and you can take communion today, maybe even on behalf of somebody else in your family that may be under the weather, sick, and we'll pray for them as well. So if you have your Bibles, this is a little different for me. I usually don't if, you, if you've been here, you know I don't really use a Bible in my preaching. I, so I'm going to try to slow the pace down a little bit today. And we'll, uh, we're going to read the story and then just talk about a few points. So if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read verses 18 through 25. And I'm using the New Living Translation. You guys are going to be impressed with me today. New Living Translation. I'm not reading from the New King James like I normally do. So... Uh, I wanted to make it easy to understand. Everybody can understand this translation. Verse 18 says this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just stop there. So I think it was last week, Phil talked a little bit about Phil, can you pronounce that word again for us? It starts with a B and ends in L. Sounds like betrothal. Okay, all right. 
Okay, so Phil talked a little bit. So in, in this translation, it says they were engaged. So it, it's a little bit different than we think about engagement today because when we get engaged today, it usually happens. You know, you date for a little while. You kind of like, uh, do I really want to spend the rest of my life with this person? Eh, maybe not. Okay, we're, pass. You know, next. But when you get to that point of really like, I, want, I think I want to marry this person, if you're like my wife, you proposed to the husband-to-be. <laughs> Did you know I got proposed to? No. <laughs> no, we actually, it was kind of a mutual thing. But, you know, we do this today. You know, typically the man, he'll get down on his knee. And uh, I found this out last night. I went to my parents last night. They've been married 55 years this year. Uh, I found out that my dad never actually proposed to my mom that they just went and kind of got a ring together, and there was, she, and I think she's harboring this. Mom, if you're watching, I really feel like you got some unconfessed animosity in here because 55 years, you know, your father never even proposed to me. And so maybe, Mom, maybe this Christmas, Mom, if you're watching, this would be a good time for you just to get over that. I mean, 55 years, come on. So in Bible times, it's a little bit different. So in Bible times, uh, the engagement took place when kids were little. So if any of you kids are out there, you might be three, four, five. It was the engagement was the time when the parents struck a deal. Like I went over to, to uh, you know, somebody. I said, hey, your daughter would make my son a great man. I know there are only five right now, but I think there's a connection here. And so the engagement took place, really was put in place by the parents. And then when, when they became, like Mary was, they probably thought was 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, young teen. At the time they became a teenager, the betrothal actually sealed the deal on the engagement that took place when they were kids. So the betrothal usually lasted about one year, and it was as binding as being marriage, as being married. So they'd be engaged as kids, betrothed as probably young teens, young adolescents, and then about a year later, the marriage would actually consummate the whole thing. So this story takes place after, they're not really engaged, they're actually betrothed, so it's considered husband and wife. So when you read some of these versions of the Christmas story, it'll say Joseph, who was Mary's husband, although they technically weren't married yet. So just a little explanation. Everybody got that? We have engagement, betrothal, marriage. So this is kind of like in that betrothal period. And then verse 19 says this, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Actually, the only way once you were betrothed, the only way you could break that was, it wasn't like, hey, give me the ring back. Like, it was, you had to get a divorce. So the betrothal was so binding, you had to get a divorce in order to break it. And, and so here's Joseph. Imagine this. In, in, the, uh, in some of the other versions, King James or even in the, uh, the uh, New King James, it says, Mary was found to be with child. So do you remember when, when the angel visits Mary in Luke chapter 1? And she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And she stays with Elizabeth for three months. So there's nothing that says that Mary ever told Joseph about this, this interaction with the angel. I believe she got pregnant when she said, be it unto me according to your word. I believe that was the moment she was pregnant. So when she comes back from her cousin's house, she's what? Do you ever notice like women, like when they're pregnant, they'll kind of stand like this when they get their pictures taken? Bernie, do you ever notice that? Taking pictures? Yeah. So. But 
And, and never, guys, never step out and ask a woman if she's pregnant or not. That's like, that, that, that's, just, that's just a recipe for disaster. You wait until she says, I'm pregnant. Because if you go to your wife and say, hey, baby, you pregnant? You're going to have a black eye. Because chances are she's not. But. So it says that Mary was found with child. So she's probably showing by this point. So imagine Joseph. They're betrothed. They're to remain in their uh, virginity until they actually come to the point of, of the marriage ceremony a year later. And, and here she's with child. And under the law... He not only needs to divorce her, but by law, she and the person that she had uh, relations with would and should be stoned. And so he decides, he's like, I love this woman so much. I realize she's telling me a story I don't believe. Uh, Something must have went on. I don't want to disgrace her. I don't want to humiliate her. I definitely don't want to see her die. So I'm going to divorce her. I'm going to do it quietly. And, And although the story today is not about Joseph, but wouldn't, wouldn't, if, if we had the, the character of Joseph in our lives, that when somebody did something to us or, or something seemed off or something, it seemed like we were betrayed, that, that we would always take the high road. And, and I, I always respected Joseph for that. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have the, the insight until the angel came to him and said, hey, that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. He just was a good man. He was a just man. He was going to do the right thing regardless. And so after this, the angel comes to him in verse 20 and says this, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, Look, The virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. That's the title of our message today, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let's say that, Jesus, Jesus, just a wonderful name. So three things I just want to point out in this passage today is that, you know, when you think of Jesus, you know, we think of the, the second person of the Trinity, you know, that we have the Father, the Son, Jesus, and, and the Holy Spirit, the third person. All different personalities. Don't try to, don't try to like, comprehend the Trinity. You'll just drive yourself crazy. But, but it's God and three distinct persons as one God. So when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about God. When we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the, the creator of the universe, the, the one that lives outside of time, the one that, that, that is eternal, the one that, that is everything. And, and, and we're going to see that God came and reduced himself down to just a, just a microscopic dot to come for us. So the first thing we're going to look at is this, is God as us. God as us, Matthew chapter 1, verses 20, the end of verse 20, the beginning of verse 21, it says this. Excuse me. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary of your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. 
So here we see that not only is Mary going to give birth, she's going to have a physical birth, but the birth she have is, ha, is going to have is not just all physical. That the angel tells Joseph, he says, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And that's important. It's important to know that, that God, see, God could have just appeared on the scene, right? God could have appeared on the scene as God, but he didn't. God could have appeared on the scene as man, but he didn't. There needed to be an aspect of both God and both man. So when we see the Holy Spirit, who is also God, birthing or, or, or helping Mary conceive in her womb this Jesus, we see that there's a, there's a the, the theological term is uh, incarnation. It's uh, uh, that God is both 100% God. Actually, I, I don't get it. I, I don't want to get off on a tangent. He's, he's 100% God. And he's 100% man, and that God came uh, in the flesh as a man. And so it says this in John chapter 1, and, and the reason it's important. So John 1, 1 says this. Um, I'm probably going to have to turn and look at it because I don't know it in this version. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says this, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the uh, the only begotten of the Father, full of, uh, full of grace and truth. So it says this. It says, in the beginning, you guys okay if I turn around and read this? Just not as familiar with the New Living. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, but I like this. It says the Word already existed. Now it's talking about the Word, it's talking about Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became what? Human. The Word was God, and the Word became human. You know, you don't think about it a lot, but the virgin birth is a big, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because if Jesus wasn't born of God, he would have been infected with sin. See, if Joseph would have been the father, Jesus would have had a sin nature. But if Jesus only came as God, and God never dies, then Jesus never could have died either. So there was this, he needed to be both. He needed to be a man so that he could die, and he needed to be God so that he could come without sin. So we have, I think it's Hebrews chapter 2. Let's read this verse. Hebrews 2.14 says this. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. You see that? That if, if God came as God, he never would have died. And if God only came as man, then he would have been infected with sin. So he had to be both. And so the fact that God came as us. Now there's a lot of other aspects, like... God, another reason God came as us, somebody waving to me in the back? I see a hand. Oh, okay, hey, I got to put my glasses on. I, 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 thought, I thought I had a question. No, it's okay. Well, actually, today, if you want to ask questions, this would be in for you. can ask questions today. Yes.
correct. So if you think about this, that um, do you remember in the Old Testament? That's a great question. So if Mary, okay, repeat the question. So uh, if Mary had a sin nature, how did how did Jesus not have a sin nature? Now I, I realize if you're of the Catholic faith, you, you you don't believe that, but every according to the Bible, everybody ever born is after Adam was born with a sin nature. So Mary had a sin nature, and she was pure, but she had a sin nature. So if you think in the Old Testament, remember it said that the the sins of the fathers were visited upon successive generations. Sin is passed down through the seed, so the seed of man. So if you think, uh, that's a great question, because even in 1 John chapter 3, it says that, uh, that we receive God's seed. So when you get saved, God actually injects his seed in you, and it says when you have God's seed in you, you cannot sin. So, so that, that when you get saved, the, the seed of God uh, comes to live, actually is what recreates you. So that same seed is what, what made Jesus. So that seed was pure. And if you think even back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, do you remember when, when Adam and Eve sinned? And, and God, uh, God actually hints at the virgin birth. He says, to, he says to the devil, he says, I will put enmity between your seed and, and let, me, let me read this to you. Let me read it. Her seed, yep. I'm going out on a limb here because I don't. I'm not familiar with this version. All right, I brought my binky. I brought my binky with me. Is that okay? <laughs> this is my little like binky. I, I I can only use this Bible. I'm sorry. So Genesis 3:15 it says, "I will put enmity between you and the woman." This is what Jesus or God saying to Satan, and between your seed and her seed. So women don't have seed. So the, the hint of the virgin birth was here that God would even provide the seed uh, of the woman. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So great question. The way that Jesus was born sinless is because he was, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way he could have been. All right, so next slide says this. It said, if Jesus wasn't God, he'd have been infected with sin, and if he wasn't a man, he wouldn't have been able to die, so he had to be both. So the fact that Jesus came as a man is very important. So first thing, he came as us. The second thing Jesus did, he came for us. So, you know, you are important to God, and, and that God came for a purpose, and he came, there's a lot of reasons Jesus came. Jesus came, obviously, to reveal the Father. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to, to restore back what Adam had lost in the garden. But Jesus also came as our Savior. It says, that, it says this, it says, And you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from what? Their sins. So this name Jesus, it says, you will name him Jesus. Jesus is the Old Testament word Joshua. Anybody know that? that Jesus actually was the name Joshua in the Old Testament. It means Jehovah is salvation. So Jesus means this, Jehovah's salvation. And so Jesus' name actually implied what his mission was, that Jesus was salvation coming to earth, and that Jesus came for a purpose. He came for a purpose to save us. And this word save, now in this context, it says that he's going to save us from what? sins save us from sin and the word save is really this all-encompassing word am i starting to slouch you guys guys work with me now 
I, just, I was just leaning down in the chair. So, so this word save is the Greek word sozo. It means to forgive. It means to heal. It means to deliver. It means to rescue. It means to preserve. It means to restore to health. It's all these things. And all of those things, sickness, bondage, disease, poverty, all those things that are part of the curse are all the results of sin. And so that when Jesus came to save us from sin, he also came to save us from all the results of sin, all those things that, that when Adam sinned went, went wrong in the garden. And so Jesus, you know, that God says, I'm sending my son. I want you to name him Jesus. I want you to name him that Jehovah's salvation. We know that, that Paul says this. He says that he will have a name that is greater. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. That the name of Jesus is above every name that has ever been named in heaven above, on earth, or even below the earth. And so that Jesus' name, if you don't know what to say, if you're in the middle of a situation, say, Jesus, Jesus. His name means Jehovah saves. And that's what he wants to do. So no matter what your situation, if, you're, if, you're, if you've never accepted him as your Savior, he wants to forgive you of your sins. If you're dealing with sickness, he wants you to, to be whole and healthy. If you're stuck in something and you need delivered of it, he'll do that too. It says this, that, that the reason Jesus needed to come save us of sin, what does Romans 3.23 say? It's the one thing that everybody in this room and everybody in the entire world has in common. You know what it is? Everybody has sin. And there's nobody that's ever been born other than Jesus that's never sinned. And so it's the one thing we all have in common. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the fact that we all sinned, that Jesus came for each one of us. We're all included, and he came for every one of us. And when Jesus, and when God sent his son Jesus, said in John chapter 3, verse 17, everybody knows John 3, 16, right? You should. You should nod your head yes. Yeah, John 3, 17 says, For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, or judge the world, some translations say, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. So Jesus came as our Savior. Jesus came to save us from sin. Jesus came to, to save us from everything that was the result of sin. And I put a quote up here. I'm not sure. I, I think uh, it's by Max Lucado. And a lot of times we, and I think that's just a great quote. He said, if man's greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. And if man's greatest need was technology, God would have sent a scientist. And if man's greatest need was money, God would have sent an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent a Savior. Isn't that good? That's really good. Did I read that? Did I say that right? Pretty close? Pretty close. Yeah, that, that God, here's the thing about God. God knew what we would need. And he knew that sending his son Jesus to save us from our sin would actually take care of all those other things just with one sacrifice. But our greatest need of, that we ever have is forgiveness. And God sent Jesus to do that. The last thing, it says that God came as us. God came for us. And the last thing in, in uh, Emmanuel means what? God with us. So it says in Matthew chapter 1, it 
It says in verse 22, and all this occurred to fulfill the message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the prophet, if you look back, we're not going to look at it, but Isaiah chapter 7, the prophet was Isaiah. And 740 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah gives this prophecy. And, and so what's going on at the time when Isaiah says this, and you can read this in Isaiah 7, I think it's verse 14, but at the time, if you remember that Israel was divided in a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, so the northern kingdom of Israel had joined forces with a, a further northern kingdom called Syria. So Israel and Syria had joined forces, and they were going to attack the southern kingdom called Judah. Ahaz is the king of Judah, and he hears about this, this plan to attack. And, and if you remember, in, in, in Judah is where the capital is, Jerusalem. And so Israel and Syria are going to attack Jerusalem and take it and put their own king in there. And hey, Ahaz is scared. And, and God sends Isaiah to, the, to, uh, to Ahaz to say this, say, look, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. You are of the house and lineage of David. Now, what line did Jesus come through? He came from the lineage of David. And so Ahaz, Isaiah goes to Ahaz and says, this can't happen. It's not going to happen. He goes, matter of fact, ask me for a sign. Ask for any sign that you want. He said, make it really hard. And he goes, I'll tell you what, you can make it so hard, you can make it as high as heaven, and you can make it as low as Hades. Anything in between, there's nothing off limits. And Ahaz says, I'm not going to ask for a sign. And God through Isaiah says, well, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And here's the sign. He said, the sign is this. The virgin will conceive. <laughs> Siri does not understand the virgin birth. That's the problem. <laughs> hey, Siri, be quiet. Okay. I was like, what is going on? Siri's like, virgin birth does not compute. So Isaiah says, hey, I'll give you a sign. Here's the sign. A virgin will conceive and bear a child. And here's the sign is this. He reminds Ahaz that you are of the house and lineage of David. The Messiah is going to come through this line. And this is so certain. I will make this. This is what's going to happen. Your line will not pass and will not. Nothing's going to happen to your house because the king is coming through you. And I'm, going to, I'm so certain of it that, that 740 years from now, a virgin's going to conceive. And here's the thing. That's the sign. You can even say this. That's the sign to us today. The certainty of the birth of Christ ensures that when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, it said that God with us is now actually for the New Testament, he's in us. And that God has a plan for your life. And when the enemy tries to come into your life and take things from you and steal from you and destroy your life, you know what you can say? Uh-uh. I've got a sign. I've got a sign. God put his spirit in me to let me know that I'm his, to let me know that I'm protected. The Bible tells us this, that the Holy Spirit is, is a guarantee, or actually, anybody ever buy a car? It's a great, you know, it's a great time to buy a car. Or, 
Hey, I, I think every day is a great day to buy a car. Yeah, I would, right? There's never a bad day to buy a car, except Christmas. We'll take Christmas off. But when you buy a car or you buy a house, what do you normally do? You put down a deposit, right? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is actually the deposit or the down payment that God puts in us as a guarantee that he's going to come back. And that God has a plan for you. And God has a purpose for you. And that, 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 when, that, that for the New Testament believer, see in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go. That sometimes he'd be with you, sometimes he'd be away. But in the New Testament, God's not only with us now, he actually resides in us. So it's, it's really a game changer for the New Testament. And that if you think about it, that, uh, that when even with Mary, that, that when the angel came to Mary, what did she say? She, he said this. He said that blessed are you among women. He said, for the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. That you're favored because the Lord is with you. How about Joseph? I'm thinking about times in the Bible when, when, when God was with people. Do you know, now, hear me out, right? Anybody ever hear of the prosperity gospel? Do you know that, that, that God defined with the prosperity gospel in Genesis 39? Do you know how God defined prosperity? He said this, he says, you remember when Joseph was a slave? Joseph gets sold into slavery. He's in Potiphar's house. It says that God was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Everything that he put his hand to prospered. Joseph had nothing. Joseph was a slave. Joseph was stripped of everything, and yet the Bible calls him prosperous for one reason. The presence of God in his life. That's that's true prosperity, is having the presence of God with you. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, what led them? They were led by the cloud by day and the fire by night. And so the presence of God with you is given to lead you and to guide you. The presence of God also connects you to the miraculous. Do you know that when God says, I'll be with you, he actually gives you an impossible assignment? I mean, why would we need God with us if, it, if we could do it on our own? Did you ever think about that? When, when the angel said to Mary that God is with you, guess what? It was, there was an impossible assignment about to happen. The miraculous was about to happen. When, when Jesus ascended and he said, Go make disciples of all nations, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When Jesus is with us, it's because he's commissioned us to do things that without him would be impossible. And so God being with you in the presence of his Holy Spirit is, is yes, it, it's, it, there's a relationship, but it's for the purpose that he favors you, that he wants to equip you, that he wants to comfort you, that he wants to, to, to lead you and guide you and do all those things. This in a nutshell is that God stepped out of time. God's eternal. God doesn't have a clock. God doesn't live by a calendar. He didn't invent time until he created the earth and said the evening and the morning were the, the first day. It's for us, not for him. 
And, and that God stepped into time 2,000 years ago, actually split time. You know, we, we split time based on Jesus' birth. That before Jesus came, it was a, uh, B.C., before Christ, uh, after he was born, A.D., Anno Domino, which means the year of our Lord. That, that we split time because Jesus came. And he changed everything. That God stepped out and left everything in glory in heaven to come as a baby so that he could live as us. So that he could, he could experience everything we go through. You know, a lot of times the holidays are joyous, but a lot of times the holidays can be sad too. If you've lost a loved one, it can be sad. I'll tell you this, that, that God know, even knows what that feels like. That, that as, a, as the Father in heaven, God lost his son Jesus when he died on earth. But even Jesus as a man, uh, we know that he lost his father. His father wasn't even present when he went to the cross. Um, so he experienced death. So no matter what you're going through, Jesus has experienced it. Jesus has went through it. Jesus came to live as us, to experience everything we go through. Jesus came to pay for our sin, and Jesus came so that he could be with us in the form of his Holy Spirit and actually take up residence in our life. That's the story of Christmas.